Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mr. Daniel Taylor. <laughs> Hello. I also think I deserve an award for staying up all night last night, <laughs> tweeting about the Oscars. Probably the only person in the UK that did it because it seemed like everybody else across the pond was. But this side, um, it was all very quiet. My Twitter feed was just my my own comments. <laughs> rub it in, Dan. Rub it in. That's fine. Okay. Yes. Yeah. For sarcastic film critics from Grimsby, we have Chris Wilson. Yeah, mention where I'm from, Grimsby, why don't you? <laughs> just so Travis right there. You're, you're supporting Grimsby, oh, you better not actually, had you? Let's move straight on. And most disappointed non-insomniac, it is Mr. Tony Black. I don't know if, like, you can be disappointed if you're not an insomniac. I think I, you were when you woke up this morning, weren't you? I was, but my housemate has insomnia, and he always seems disappointed. Just in general, <laughs> with life. He was so, for you, Tony. He, was he for does. You. I, think, he does. I think there's a reason for disappointment there. Yeah, I must. I must say, I must make this point, uh, and you, you've touched on it. I was intending to live tweet the Oscars last night. I bought Now TV on the free free thirty day trial, especially to stay up to watch it. I told everyone, including my girlfriend, that I was going to do it. I tweeted that I was going to do it. I set my Mission Impossible alarm on my phone, and then I slept through it. Uh, so I'm a failed human being and like, let me publicly thank Dan for stepping into the breach when he realised that I clearly wasn't awake yeah, like, he, got, he got about half an hour in I was like I'm going to log in and do, pretend I'm him right until the end I, I, just, I just imagine this sort of sweepy phone call going through to you Dan of just going 
I'm just thinking I need to step into the breach here. Yeah. Yes, on a side note, actually, it's a shame that Tony Lee couldn't make it to the um, actual Academy Awards themselves. Because if you had, that would have doubled the number of black men in the audience. But oh. <laughs> oh dear. I really have. We've got our own Neil Patrick Harris, haven't we? You <laughs> really do. <laughs> dear well, me. I hope I uh, fare better than he did. Because, yeah, what, what do you make of MPH's um, hosting debut? I, th- I don't think it was um, as strong as Ellen DeGeneres. I think last year Ellen just came in and just blew through like a hurricane. But Yeah, I think even she got, a, you know, a certain amount of stick for it. Um, you know, less, the less said about Gervais and the, is it the Golden Globes he won. Um, yeah, and Seth MacFarlane the year before when yeah. they did the, you know, I Saw Your Boobs video, which was just... Yeah, I don't, I don't quite know where that came from. But then you look back at it the, the year after and you kind of often go, oh, it wasn't that bad. But, you know, so. Well, it was... The bits, the bits where he was able to be Neil Patrick Harris, be other musical numbers and and, um, and the improv stuff, he was terrific at because he's MPH where he had to do the scripted one line as he sort of... Uh, I think he was a bit embarrassed to do some of them. It did feel very safe, didn't it? The whole thing. You know, I mean, last year you had... Ellen, you know, ordering pizzas in and having them take selfies and, you know, almost climbing over chairs and, you know, everything like that. And the year before you had Seth MacFarlane worrying everyone in the audience because he was going to make the tasteless crude jokes and obviously he did quite often. And I don't know, this year it just, it just, it did feel very Neil Patrick Harris, you know, likeable, safe, slick, smooth, but quite forgettable, really, in many ways. And not, not all in a bad way, but you know, it was he, he seemed almost quite passive, I thought, at times. Do you, do you think it was a bit of a bit of a response to the Golden Globes? Because I had Tina Fey and Amy Poehler, and that really did go for the jugular, didn't it? They had Bill Cosby gags and everything. It was like the Academy mm. thinking, they've pushed the envelope, let's for ourselves yeah. just sort of reel back a little bit, because we've got down so. that road. I think they were worried. I, I think they wanted to avoid as much controversy as they could. Really, because they're aware that a lot of these award ceremonies, they they have these com- I mean, they, they they bring it on themselves. You know, they hire these comedians who quite enjoy the opportunity to to push the barriers of what they can get away with. Which is why you know when you hire someone like Neil Patrick Harris, you go for the safe option, really. And that's that he smacks of safe, and to me anyway. And that's that's exactly what they got, really. A very safe ceremony with the the occasional you know ooh joke, but nothing. Nothing major. When you when your most risky joke, it wasn't meant, and it's Sean Penn going on about a green card. You know, you know you're in safe territory, really. Well, you know you know you've got a problem. You've got Sean Penn coming up to to present an award, haven't you? Yeah. I, mean? <laughs> I, I, I didn't think sometimes he had a bit of a lack of awareness. Um, that almost like it was sometimes he was a little bit too rehearsed because there was that incident where he told a joke straight after someone mentioned yeah. a speech about suicide. Yeah. yeah. Um, that it was, was the the documentary uh, uh, ladies, wasn't it? And um, and yeah, so he, it's, he didn't have any awareness to dump that joke. Or listen, you can't blame it all on him. To be fair, like the producers in his ears should have been going, "Don't do the joke! Don't do the joke!" <laughs> you know, to be fair, because you know, in in that kind of atmosphere, I don't imagine he heard half of what the people, you know, particularly when they're speaking over the Oscars overture and orchestra, that that you can't actually hear a word they're saying. So it can't be, you know, all his fault that that joke was perhaps in bad taste. <laughs> just a little bit. <laughs> oh, she just says, "Oh, well, well, my, my, my son killed himself. Can we all yeah. talk about this? Look at the balls are wearing that fur." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's a bit, a bit of a disparity there, wasn't there? Just a little bit. Yeah. 
But yeah, I don't, I don't actually think MBH was, was actively brilliant until actively terrible. He was, he was, he was, he did sort of sit in the middle. So yeah, I agree, I agree with you, gents, on that one. I think you definitely didn't sit in the middle and caused a bit of a stir. as good old John Travolta again. <laughs> what was with him? Or Gwanga Zongo was uh, Adina Menzel referred to him as. <laughs> He was getting a bit creepy on the red carpet and stuff as well. Like, just, uh, just randomly assaulting Scarlett Johansson by just, just snogging her and rubbing her stomach in front of people. Well, yeah. it's, a, it's a hashtag now, isn't it? Creepy Travolta. And yeah. it, it's been going around the internet. I don't know if that was last year. It probably was last year as well, but it's really going around the internet today. And there's those pictures. Les, Les who came on last week, has put on his Facebook some brilliant pictures today of yeah him with Scarlett. The bit where he gets Adina Menzel's chin, like he's, fu- I think somebody's so put, face, isn't he? Yeah. it's like he's sizing her up for an op, right, you know, and uh, and there's this one where he's just shiftily looking at Benedict Cumberbatch, because he's sitting behind him, like he's, he's either going to kill or kidnap him, you know, it's just like, <laughs> both. <laughs> or both, yeah. I won't put it past the ball, to be honest. I mean, he's, he's sort of slowly morphing into his, to his villains, isn't he, really? He looked like Willy Wonka last night. <laughs> <laughs> he really did. Weird. His face is just melting. Yeah. <laughs> there, was, there was a good Twitter comment. Um, somebody said how, uh, you know, uh, Michael Keaton is now wearing his own hairline. And Travolta's got the same hairline, but he's going for the toupee still. And it's like, at least Keaton's owning his age and his baldness. You know, yeah. to play Birdman, you know, you've got to do that, which I'm sure we'll talk about later. But, um, you know, Travolta's just so clearly still trying to be, you know, Saturday Night Fever guy. Just with a paunch and you know severe, <laughs> severe plastic surgery. It's just like, oh, stop, stop, John. You know, you, you're Uncle Nobbed. You're the creepy uncle at weddings. Um, the, the other kind of entertainment that got a lot of stick for was the Lady Gaga founded. Oh, what yeah, was that about? But it, well, it's in celebration of the Sound of Music's 50th anniversary. That's kind of why they did it. But unfortunately for her, by three hours in, everyone just wants to go to bed. Mm. Um, particularly me <laughs> and not only that but she's just then had to follow uh, what's his name do glory yeah so they've just John Legend mm-hmm. just yeah. yeah exactly they've just brought the house down with that and then she somehow got to follow it with you know which a perfectly fine you know rendition of family music songs but everyone was just a bit like well I just want to go home now well I'll give her that you know she did belt it out quite well I'll give her that yeah. I was quite surprised actually because yeah. you know I'm not really a fan of Lady Gaga and it was weird seeing her look fairly normal and actually quite pretty you know and, and she belted it out quite well yeah. um, but I was just when Julie Andrews came on and you could tell and which was wonderful but then you can tell you can hear Julie Andrews going oh well done I was just embarrassed I was yeah. thinking oh come on Julie <laughs> it's, it's Lady Gaga. <laughs> you don't have to lie. Multi-selling millionaire. She's not some young girl from Wales. It's like she went up to her and said, "You've done well, considering." Considering you're not me. Yeah, yeah. That was a prank. But it couldn't have been Joey Andrews singing it, to be honest. But yeah, obviously. Well, she ain't got the voice now, is she? She hasn't got the voice. That's that's a shame about it. But there you go. What? Yeah, that's was, was, was a bit odd. What, what else um, caught your attention, gents, of uh, weird events at the Oscars this week? This oh, year? There was a few. There was there was the weird there was the weird moment with him going out and uh, now Patrick Harris doing the uh, the seat uh, 
settler. What were they called? Seat. Um, the seat fillers. Seat yes. fillers. We're, we're which, just going round to chat to them, Which yeah. dragged, and luckily he was saved by Steve Carell, who was brilliantly sort of, oh, there's Edward Norton. No, I want to meet him. You know, that's quite funny. But then there was the whole thing with David Yellowow about him doing the. You know, it's one thing to actually, you know, snob him for a role that, to be fair, after Eddie Redmayne, he should have won, quite honestly. Um, but then to actually get him involved in a really crap dig at Annie, I was like, oh, come on, give the guy a break. You know, <laughs> you've already robbed him of an award, quite possibly. What more do you want to do? And there's that great uh, gift now going round of him after, after he tells the punchline of him just looking, going. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, go. I, I, don't, I didn't really like anything that was, anything that seemed staged. I did, wasn't a big fan of like the um, the Birdman and um, Whiplash yes. spoof. It, it you know had Miles Teller not popped mm. up in it. It had just been like painfully cheesy. It was a bit cheap, wasn't it? It was yeah, a bit well, of a cheap gag at Birdman. Yeah, no, no other, than, other than Miles Teller popping up, no. But, Everybody the faces backstage as it were. It was a flat one, eh? Yeah, yeah. Nobody's like, you know, these shoves some. No, no offence, but I could have. I, I mean, as much as I like him, I could have done without seeing your Patrick Harris in Tighty Whiteys. Mm. There you go. Yeah, that was <laughs> for the Tighty Whiteys. For the ladies, I think that was. But it's just there was, you know, there was that. I, I think that. Uh, I think that the. The, 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 well, there, there was a great little moment with Cumberbatch. There's always a great moment oh, with yes. Cumberbatch. Oh, yes, I know where, where he's swigging his tumbler and then he just yeah. goes, Go away. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, that was stage. You know, you, that was like the Naomi Watts being shocked at mm. Seth MacFarlane's rudeness. It was, there was a, there, that was, he was in on that. But, um, yeah. You know what I think it did miss? It missed Jennifer Lawrence turning up yeah. being Jennifer yeah. Lawrence. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Emma Stone did a little bit. And she's you know the next best thing, but it was sort of... was apparently as well. Quite, she, she was quite funny. Um, I think she was pissed. It's a reason. <laughs> so, can I just point out since since we mentioned Emma Stone that um, I was uh, talking to my girlfriend about Emma Stone, who's a massive Emma Stone fan. I, I I said that you know it's a shame Emma Stone you know didn't win in, in Best Supporting Actress, even though it, she necessarily didn't put performance in. And my girlfriend went, "Screw the Oscars." They need her, not the other way around. <laughs> it's like I'm, I'm inclined to agree because Emma Stone's awesome, but uh, yeah. But yes, totally but, much I think it, it missed a sort of Jennifer mm, brand of craziness of whether she's going to fall over or she's just going to act embarrassed or you know have yeah. a bit of a stare. It, that, that was sort of missing. It most people were playing it kind of safe, weren't they? That was exactly. It was they were playing it kind of safe. The whole mm. thing. There was nothing in there. You know, there was no zaniness, there was no Oscar selfies, that sudden spontaneous, you know, oh, that's, you know, I mean, I know that annoyed a lot of, as many people as who liked it, but I mean, I was one of the people who liked it, you know, mm. to the point where I staged my own with my friends. <laughs> um, but, you know, it was like, it went viral and it wasn't planned. No, it was completely spontaneous. And that was, you know, that gives it all a little bit of extra, oh, cool, but there was nothing spontaneous about this at all. There was, there was some good, nicely executed moments and some, some funny moments. I mean, I, I did like the opening song, "Moving Pictures." I thought that was, I thought that was really cool. That uh, I thought that was really nicely done, and uh, I don't mind Anna Kendrick popping up anywhere. Really, uh, that's always a good thing. For me, it's you know, like an award ceremony where you'll struggle when it gets to this time next year to remember many moments trivial yeah. to a side. <laughs> yeah, you will, you will. You know, it'll be one of those where you go, "Oh, was that the one with?" Uh, oh uh, no, I, I don't know what. Oh, yeah. It's going to be one of them where there's no... Oh, selfie. Oh, um, you know, William Shatner popping up on the set to yeah. help introduce it as Captain Go. There's nothing like that. You know, it was... It was, 
It was just, oh, okay. Lots, okay. Of, lots of the speeches were a bit, just for me, a bit grating. Lots of people have been like, oh, yeah, no, there's some amazing speeches. Yeah. They're really heartfelt. I'm like, who the fuck? You know, like, I, I really liked Patricia Roquette, but I wouldn't have had anyone else win that award because she was by and far the best. But her, like, oh, yeah, feminist kind of speech, I'm just like, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> And um, that's your audience Tony. Yeah, yeah you've just destroyed our feminist credi- credibility there, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> well done, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what you've got is um, Graham Moore like, dropping in his suicide attempts. And it's just, it's just all not drawing jo- the speech, just to confess. He may have been dying on stage, but not literally. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and yeah, the, as I said, the two women that watched the video mentioned, let's think about my son who killed himself. And I'm just like, this is like, it's not the place for it. Just come do what um, Julianne Moore did. Go, thank you very much. You know, this is for my husband. La da da, and leave. Like, don't make it political or yeah, you know, overly emotional. I just don't buy it. I think it's fake. At least I had the good grace to you know do it fairly quickly. I mean, you know, yeah. she she wrote it all down. She didn't she didn't you know drag. She just got it all out quickly. What she wanted to say, and she was off. The reaction to her has, has been very good actually on, online. Yeah. There's a lot of people saying that was good. Less so about the two you know short film women. I mean, I I possibly tastelessly you know compared them to the Golden Girls because that's what they look like in my yeah, eyes. They did. Yeah. It's just like you know if you're going to make that point, just don't dress like you've just you know sheared a, an animal in half and wrapped it around your neck. For me, I think the best the best one, the one with the most grace, my favourite one, I mean, last year it was McConaughey because I thought his was marvellous. It was wonderful. But this year it was J.K. Simmons. His was the, his oh, yes. was the best. Yeah. Because yeah, right. he, oh, well, apart from Eddie Redmayne, because he was just lovely. You know, he was nice yeah. and funny. But, um, he's, you know, his boyish sort of happiness that he won, which is really, really cute. But I think J.K. Simmons had the most dignity with his. And he just made it about his family, you know. Yeah. Um, well, that, 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 what I quite said is, you know, it's quite, you know, it's quite right. And um, at the end of the day, she is right. But at the same time, I just don't think sometimes these these are the time or place to say them. I just feel like the last couple of years or, or the last few years, the Oscars, you know, they felt like they've had to be political. They've had to say something about the world and about stuff. And can't you just go? You know, you can do that in your films if you want to, like 12 Years a Slave did or Selma did or whatever. You know, do that in your films, but the Oscars just come along, say, thank you very much, yeah, we made a great fucking film, end of the story. Well, do you remember Jared Leto's really wanky reference to Ukraine last year? Yeah. You know, yeah, I mean, yeah. you, we, we didn't like that. Remember, Chris, we were talking about that one. We were like, yeah, yeah. Just, like, shut up, Jesus. <laughs> 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 There's a tendency to make the podium a soapbox, isn't there? Yeah. I, I don't mind the Patricia Arquette speech. I could have done that seeing Mel Streep and Jennifer Lopez giving it the whoop whoop afterwards. That's what she can for me. <laughs> oh yeah, but Mer- Meryl's a, Meryl's more, I think more of a more of a joker than you know than people yeah. think. I mean, yeah. she was in on that selfie. She did Mamma Mia for God's sake. You know, anyone who's, <laughs> who's <laughs> exactly right. She was in that. It was. I mean, yeah. think about it though. I mean, the Oscars they've always been a, a political you know forum in many ways, haven't they? There's always been some kind of political element you know I mean do you remember when Marlon Brando I mean we weren't old enough and we weren't alive but Marlon oh, Brando right. and he it's sent uh, what was the name Sasheen Littlefeather up to, to you know uh, yes. accept or what was it I think it was reject his award wasn't it to say you know about the treatment of Native Americans instead of I mean Brando was barking but I mean yeah, again yeah accepted the award on his behalf and then just took it with him didn't he I think right and I think oh that was it and didn't he just then stick it in his garage and, and never and, and then sell it for like a tenner <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure he did. 
Because I've read, I read like a biography on Brando, and I'm sure he, he just didn't give a shit. You know, he was very sort of, I don't care. You know, so there has yeah, always been an element of politicised thing, yeah. but I, I I do agree that it's you know it gets a bit wearing you know after a while, and there was a bit too much of it this year. There definitely was. Eddie Redmayne's acceptance is the closest you're ever going to get to Frank Spencer getting an award. It, it was brilliant. He just went up there, and, oh, I'm surprised he got oh Betty, you know, just like so like little boyish <laughs> excitement. He's yeah. just a sort of lovable British fuck, isn't he? I, yeah, I like him. I like him a lot. I think he's I think he's quite genuine, and I I got that. You know, I don't think you could have that response without being genuine about the fact that, you know, even if he thought he might win, I think he was still like really just really happy about it. You know, which is quite nice. You know, that that'll be knocked out of him eventually when he gets into a franchise that tanks stupid ascending. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of it, descending. <laughs> Considering that that might be a franchise coming from you there, Tony. Well, true, true. <laughs> but it would be great if he'd accepted his award as the villain. Thank you, the Academy, for this award. It's been wonderful. Yeah, that kind of thing. That would be like, brilliant. Interesting, but was Jupiter sending the film he did immediately before he did The Fear of Everything? It, probably yeah, because yeah just did he just sort of wake up one day after doing this strange breathy weird beard villain voice and then just sort of think you know what what am I doing I'm yeah. going to win an Oscar next instead yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> just put in you know, exceptional parts which we'll get to shortly but uh, but he, had, did, yeah, he didn't account on Jupiter Ascending being delayed <laughs> <laughs> he thought <laughs> but he thought I'll get that out of the way no one will know about it people will forget about it nobody cares about the Wachowskis anymore then I will be on to theory of everything everyone will love me it'll be great woo and then Wachowski's going yeah sorry we haven't finished it yet but he was like fuck <laughs> yes so I think we're sort of drifting from the area of the speeches towards the actual awards themselves so it's probably as good as time to start digging in we can all take a bit of a breather and Tony can dive into a mini review with Predestination if you haven't heard this one before. Oh, hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> what if I could put him in front of you? The man that ruined your life. If I could guarantee that you'd get away with it, would you kill him? Many New Yorkers are leaving the city in fear of a fifth attack by the Fizzle Bomber. Maybe he's doing the city a favor. That kind of talk can get you in trouble. No worse than I've already been through. There's something this job has taught me is that truth is stranger than fiction. You're not talking about bartending, are you? I'm not talking about bartending. Follow me right in here. Here we go. <sighs> Deep breath. One can only imagine what it must have been like reading Michael and Peter Spearig's screenplay for Predestination for the first time. Indeed, Ethan Hawke, who takes the lead role, as a time-travelling temporal agent who must go back in time to stop the poorly monikered Fizzle Bomber from his reign of terror, himself asked, What the fuck did I just read? By the end of the Spearig's third feature, you'll understand why. Working with the premier science fiction backbone of Robert A. Heinlein's 1959 short story All You Zombies, it's a remarkably fresh, beguiling and innovative take on the time-travel movie genre, going to narrative and thematic places many other films, and to their credit studios, would doubtless shy away from. Predestination is fiercely unique while being equally fiercely loyal to Heinlein's brilliance and will from early on leave your head spinning. A word of caution however, if you want to experience the Spearix film cold going solely by the description of the plot given above, don't read the short story source material. 
Read it after. For now, just go into this blankly, because the narrative entirely rewards such an approach. From the off, you'd be forgiven for suspecting traditional movie theatrics. A chase, a gunfight, explosions, perhaps making this a time cop for the Apple generation, but oh no, no no no, the Spearigs have something much cleverer in mind. Their script will disorient you, intentionally, as Hawk's agent flits between several time periods on his mission before the narrative takes the surprising turn of engaging lengthy flashbacks once he meets who could well be the bomber, Sarah Snook's mysterious character in a bar who, well, no, that's all you need to know. Just be prepared for an exceptional performance from Snook's newcomer in a role that very much challenges her to become something of a chameleon, which she achieves with a plum. Stick with the Spearage right turn into a complicated backstory and you'll be rewarded as the pieces of a fascinating puzzle slot into place. And don't equally be concerned if you're questioning, but where, what, how? Because that's exactly what the writer-directors want. Just know that, despite one or two inevitable plot holes in time travel stories, and a central question over whether something the central character can do is possible, the puzzle does tie up, does make sense, and does end, leaving you with a strange sense of what appears unfulfillment, but again in truth is disorientation, leaving you to fill in certain blanks. This is such a nebulous review in many ways, but predestination really is a clock that has been precisely calibrated, and rewards knowing as little as possible about the motions of the hands ticking away before you go in. Michael and Peter Spearig's film is a fascinating and thought-provoking adaptation of a seminal science fiction work, taking their own liberties as they revel in the time travel genre and genuinely put forward new and intriguing concepts into the pot. Plus, crucially, they centre it around the most unlikely of love stories and a real sense of heart that will both engage and indeed unnerve you a touch along the way. At times brilliantly different and entrancingly head-scratching. I advise you to go down this temporal rabbit hole. Time catches up with us all. The path you're on will take you to your destination. Thanks, Tony, for that little pep- little peppering this rundown with further reviews from Tony as we progress. We're going to tackle this now in a sort of chronological order as the awards we give for now. So the first award that was presented was probably the most obvious. I think it's definition of fate to best actor in a supporting role for J.K. Simmons from Whiplash. Yeah, I, I think. Don't, I don't, yeah, I don't think anyone else is really, really seriously in the running for this. I think uh, we kind of thought it would have been nice if Norton got one because um, he was pretty good in Birdman. But then as soon as you see, if you haven't, if you saw Birdman first as I did, mm. and then watch Whiplash afterwards, which I think you did as well, Tony, you're like mm. that. Just that end of story, Same. closed book. Well, well, I changed my vote if you remember, Dan. I, yeah. I, I went originally. I said Ned Norton, then I watched Whiplash, and yeah, it was Simmons. I just yeah. think that he, you know, he, he was just in a different league. Really, he'll, he'll, he'll never play a part like this again, ever. Yeah. I, I went through three. Originally, I was, I was quite up in arms. I thought, why is Neil Patrick Harris not being given it for Gone Girl or uh, nominated? And then, as, well, yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> then, he was a host of the Oscars. He can't oh, win. Yeah. <laughs> go back because I've just thought of a moment that we didn't mention earlier that has really really baffled me and we haven't mentioned it Terrence Howard yeah what the fuck was that about (laughs) did you know did you what what just in case you didn't see it he was he was talking about two of the best picture 
awards, two or three of the actual films, and he gets really emotional just before he went. This next film is, oh my god, it's it's amazing. The Imitation Game, and I I just think, were you taking the piss? Yeah, I because I don't ever remember being that moved by that film. Oh. You, well, you've listened to my preview of it, literally. I tried to avoid like, really yeah. out of it. <laughs> you see, I enjoy the Imitation Game, but I would never have got to the emotions for kids would say about it. So. I think, I think though, that he, he was, in a way, doing a joke, in that everyone thought he was going to say Selma because he's black, yeah. right? And then he said, oh, the Imitation Game, and it just, it was either really, really sort of a bit of a sly dig, or it was a joke. Or he was off his tits. <laughs> I don't know what it was, but it was. You really have a possibility of all three. Yeah. yeah. For me, that beat creepy Travolta as the strangest moment of the whole thing for me. Sorry, I just had to mention that. He's just come back into my head. I think there's a bit of a creep off there going on, but yeah. yeah. Just, but yeah, that that was pretty much the most obvious gong of the um, evening. I wonder if that I wonder if that was why that came up first because yeah. Next up, we group two together. They have um, best costume design and best makeup and hairstyle, both which were won by Grand Beach Best Hotel. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'd say that that film just looked gorgeous for everyone. It was always going to win anything that was aesthetically pleasing. So, yeah. The costume design side things, like, you know, you got the influence of Maleficent, they, you know, they were fine, there was nothing, nothing spectacular about it, inherent wise, I don't, I've seen that now, but I don't really think of the costumes at all, in terms of being anything spectacular, so the only closest one would obviously be Mr. Turner, but that's just, it's just, well, basic period costume, but, you know, Grand Budapest is quite special and unique, particularly in, the, in, the, in that area, but, well, right across the board, really. I think I can see why Inherent Vice did get maybe a nod there because you know it did have some quite striking sort of seventies, you know, mm. fashion going. I mean, you know, it did look very nice. I mean, that was one of the biggest things about that I did like, even though yeah. the, the whole thing was a bit of a mad, you know, concoction. I, I think it looked amazing in many places. I can see it, but no, I mean, Grand Budapest that that film is just something else in terms of how it looked. I think it kind of sumptuous, doesn't it? I think that's, yeah. that's a word. It's, it was a pure yeah, confection, yeah. the whole thing. Mm. So, we think about Wes Anderson. Did you, you see him applauding anybody when they cut to the crowd? Mm, watching, no. watching, even claps eccentrically. Just, oh, just, 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 there's gifts around the internet. He, he claps in an eccentric fashion. I'm convinced that he's basically threatened everyone's family because. Every single person who won an award from his film were were thanking him like, "Please, Wes, don't kill my children." You know, it was like they were like, "Wes, you're amazing. This film's amazing. Couldn't do it without you, Wes." And he's there looking like, "Oh yeah, thinking yeah, they're in the basement. I'm not gonna let them go until you do this." It was just like proper. I've never known anything like that. So I, I seriously think there's some sinister shit going down there. Right, before we uh, continue on, I think it's time for us to have a bit of a breather. So, Tony, do you want to take it away telling us about the wedding ringer? It's shit. <laughs> I'm not, That's the review. Um, yeah, I'm not even going to put the review in. I'm just going to go with that. <laughs> That's enough. 
Maybe that's how I'll do this podcast now. Maybe we could just get people on, just have a chat randomly about films. And when somebody says, right, let's review that, I'll go, it's good! It's shit! <laughs> just like that. 10 out of 10. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, the, the, like, the most distilled form. Yeah. You, fuck all that bollocks I like for example it's, like, it, it's good yeah. <laughs> I'm tempted yeah I might start letterboxing like that actually <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 it's a letterbox guy uh, a letterbox account as the guy from Family Guy from the helicopter oh please do again the next um, grouping of awards of a sound awards no does anyone know the difference between sound mixing and sound editing? I know no. you're very into the, um, the actual behind-the-scenes work. Is is it is the difference easily attainable? Uh, I think the sound mixing is more to do with how nice it sounds, while the actual editing is putting, putting like the little bits of sound effects and such together in an, an effective way. Uh, so fact, no, I think, no. Yeah, basically. <laughs> So all, all I know from all my friends that are into sound or that lot is that Interstellar getting one for sound mixing, getting nominated, was pretty absurd considering uh, Christopher Nolan has to come out and apologise for the fact that he couldn't hardly hear anything. Mm. You're, you're saying that the line between sound editing and sound mixing is quite a thin one. <laughs> yes, extremely. There's no difference. Yeah, the fact that the fact that you know um, three of the films were nominated in both categories. Um, you know, American Sniper, Burman, and Interstellar. Four, four, in fact. Um, Unbroken as well. Oh, Unbroken. Yeah. Oh, Unbroken. Yeah, no, it's quite right. why yeah. Unbroken in particular because that didn't seem to appeal to me as something. I sort of said sound. Quite particularly the ocean scenes. The I suppose. I suppose the only difference is the Hobbit: Battle of the Five Armies is nominated for sound editing, and Whiplash was nominated and won, in fact, for sound mixing. So I think I think that was obvious, really. Whiplash winning for sound, because yeah. presumably that yeah. would have covered, that would have covered within that sort of remit would have covered all the actual playing. Yeah, yeah. 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 And uh, I think we gave him Oaken Sniper best editing uh, just to give him Oaken Sniper something. Uh, I don't yeah. think we could actually tell you why that was better than any of the films. I think presumably yeah, it's the coolest editing because Birdman was a bit too naturalistic to be edited, in my view, and. Interstellar, we've already said, sound issues of sorts. Unbroken, again, I don't know why. And The Hobbit, well, I would have been in the face if I had won, I think. I just kind of think that, you know, the sound in Birdman was, you know, was, was quite interesting in itself. I guess maybe I'm talking more about the, the score, but um, the fact that the score, that it couldn't actually be seen as a score in Birdman because it was just percussion and drums. Yeah. Um, so, because it kind of goes into that sound mixing, I particularly thought it was, you know, atmospheric, that maybe it should have gotten one of the two sound awards. You know, you got, obviously, being set in a theatre as well, the game of levels right in that kind of... I think going up against Whitwash in that area, though, because presumably that is more mixing than anything, and Whitwash would have got it for, well, the sort of, the entire soundtracks. Really, maybe. So. maybe. But there was voiceovers in Birdman. <laughs> That's editing, isn't true, it? True. <laughs> so I, I, I don't know really. It's, it's, it's not something that's particularly um, going to be complained about for years to come. <laughs> there you go. Broken was screwed, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, no, American Sniper was just a conversation prize, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a sort of we've 
giving you a nomination, here's, here's the award. Next award that was presented was for Best Actress in a Supporting Role, which, as we have already said, was won by Patricia Arquette for Boyhood. And it was the only award Boyhood won, wasn't it? Yeah, sadly. Yeah. I, was, I, was, I, was, I, was, I was, I was surprised. Very, very surprised. We'll get on to later ones, obviously later, but for me, I think that this one was the obviously guaranteed one, wasn't it, really? Yeah, I think, I think the... Emma Stone could have been in with a shout if the Academy wanted to go in that direction, but, you know, Arquette definitely gave the best performance, um, having only seen... Well, the only one I didn't see was Laura Dern, so I can't really comment on her, but... And, Tony, did you see Wild in the end? I didn't, know. I didn't see Wild. I haven't seen Boyhood either, actually, yet. Um, it's one of the few I haven't seen, so I'm looking forward to that. The other nominees were Laura Dern, Keira Knightley, Emma Stone and Meryl Streep. I thought of, I mean, Kira Knightley's opus and everything. Emma Stone was. Yeah, I Emma, thought Kira Knightley was quite alright. And she was. She, she was. was like, but, well, yeah. I haven't seen she's that. Barely in it, though. I, I can see. She That's probably why she's quite good, isn't it? Emma Stone was. Well, was you have the potential in Old Street could have won it for? Could have won it for the Street Factor. Mm, I, 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 well, she, like well, she was. We all know that. She was really good in a rubbish film. So you know. It's a bit like um, in football where you've got a really good player playing for a shit side, they look a lot better yeah. than if they were in a, in a side full of you know quality, which, for example, Emma Stone, she was in very, very good company. Yeah. Still managed to hold her own. She did. I, I think her, her Oscar will come one mm, day. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, that, she, that's kind of what I said. I, I, I don't think this was her Oscar no. performance. I think I It will come. Think I'm glad Patricia Arquette won because I'm glad Boyhood won something because mm. it was, a, it was mm. a mammoth undertaking so it had been a crying shame if I hadn't won anything at all. Yeah. Next up was Visual Effects which is one of my favourite categories because it's one that I know I've definitely seen all the films in so I always enjoy watching Visual Effects. such a populist too. I am such a populist, yes. I'm, I'm sort of the average Joe of this, of this entire scenario but... <laughs> The five nominations of that were Captain America, Dawn of the Apes, Guardians of the Galaxy, Interstellar, and X-Men. So, um, Interstellar, well, I don't think there's any doubt that was going to win, did it ever? Well, I, I think that Guardians would, could deserve that, potentially, as yeah. well. But I suppose. I mean, they they all they were all they were all very good. They all had very good effects. Mm-hmm. I think that really Interstellar needed to win that because, I mean, Interstellar's got a lot for my money Interstellar has got a lot less love than it should have done anyway in general yeah. not just from the Oscars but in general for my money it should have been in the best picture yeah, yeah. yeah I think in the end with Nolan because he's made such great films beforehand it's just sort of the bubble burst in a bit mm. yeah but well critically you know I still loved Interstellar but mm. I think that's what's happened this time I think so what we're saying here is that because it was most people considered it to be a bit of a step down from Inception, Dark Knight, etc. But people yeah. were saying that people were believing it's a lot worse than it than it actually was because of the yeah. policy that no one had crazy put out. If it was a different director, maybe not as such prestige, then I think it would have got a lot better. I, I I agree. I very much agree. Uh, I think it's 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 a better film than The Dark Knight Rises. It, yeah. it, it is, and there's it will it will get more love as time goes on. To be fair. Um, but so so I'm I'm glad it won visual effects, even though I think possibly Guardians des- maybe deserved it as well. But mm. you know, 
Before we move on to our next one, I think it's time for Tony to take centre stage again. This time, discussing Project Almanac. Shit. <laughs> it's such a shame that it's shit, but I didn't really have any other uh, expectations other than it being distinctly average or shit. So, yeah. Just so much Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Maybe you should save some of these for a week where you've got no moans. <laughs> I know. So somebody on Twitter has encouraged me to review Diana, even though it's a year and a half later, because I've I scathed that on Letterboxd, and somebody on Twitter I said, you know, it's a shame Diana is out now because I could have done it on the podcast, and somebody went, don't let that stop, yeah. <laughs> Well, I think I summed it up afterwards in my tweet in that everything isn't awesome because mm. that that song does not translate in the real world. No, it really doesn't. That was that was diabolical, quite honestly. You see, you see, I love the song personally in the film, and it's an earworm, isn't it? I think is the uh, the technical term. There's a German word for it, but I don't want to sound angry, so I won't say it. Burn. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was and, yeah, yeah. And I love when Will Arnett came on and sang the bit of a Batman song. But it was like it was like an Oscar flash mob, you know. In the end, it was just like you know, come on, rah, woo. And but yes, big, big controversy there, of course. So I think maybe not at least being nominated for best animated feature. 
It is odd. I mean, I mean, I, I'm glad Big Hero Six won because I love that. I mm. thought it was lovely, and it deserves. It does deserve, I think, um, an award. But at the same time, the the Lego Movie is, a, I think, I think a, a, a better achieve. I don't know if it's a better film, but it's a better achievement. Mm. And I, I think you know, Lego Movie was just such a blast of pure creativity. Yeah, and it really was. It was. It was. It was sucked out of Alden Miller's minds, and it just sort of splurged straight onto screen. And I've not seen anything like that before. I mean, it's twice in a row that Disney have won Best Animated Feature, of course, because they won last year. Yeah. We, won't, we won't say what for, in, in fear of starting off another earworm. <laughs> I, just wanted, I just wanted to quickly mention how uh, the, the animated short film, uh, given we were talking about the animated feature, that won was Feast, and Feast was shown before Big Hero 6, and uh, I loved that. That was so lovely, that, that little um, fi- fi- uh, film about the dog. Um, yeah. And I was really glad that won. Yeah, I just wanted to say that Feast was lovely, and if you, if you ever get a chance to see Feast, take it. But did we invest in it too short, as you say? Yes. So there we go. Yes, back to production design, which was won by the Grand Budapest Hotel. Again, that was a no-brainer, really, wasn't it? Um, Wes yeah. Anderson, yeah. again, bringing forth the quirkiness. They, they they redesigned that whole building, didn't they? They they, they found it, and they go, that, that's it, that's, we, that's the hotel. And then they took that shell, and it was quite a... It was quite debilitated. It was, you know, it was, it was like a down. husk, wasn't it? It yeah. was like a husk, but when they first saw it, yeah. so. and they totally transformed it. So you know, for that alone, there was nothing else that comes close to it. That now makes me think there should be a changing rooms Wes Anderson edition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we've said all we have to say about that. It was, it was, a, it was a fate complete again. Um, yeah. Best cinematography was um, Grand Budapest Hotel was up for it and didn't win, which surprised me for that. But like a Birdman, though, yeah, really. exactly. Yeah, um, it's his second year in a row. Um, Lubetsky's won it. Emmanuel Lubetsky, yeah, yeah. The 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 only shame really is that Roger Deakins now has been nominated like twelve or thirteen times and still hasn't won. Um, which Deakins? Oh, he was nominated for Broken, Broken, wasn't he? Yeah, yes. yeah. So didn't necessarily deserve it, but it's it's just the fact that he's such a fantastic cinematographer and he's been nominated so many times. It's just he never all American Beauty. No, he's never won it. He's never won it. He, he's he, won it three nominated four times. Yeah. <sighs> that is, yeah, that's, that's a crying shame. Did he get a nomination for Skyfall? He did, yeah. Oh, yeah, he, he should have won it for that. <laughs> I've got his whole list here for me to quickly read out. Got Shawshank Redemption, Fargo, Cundon, Oh Brother Were Out Valve, The Man Who Wasn't There, The Assassination of Jesse uh, James Bravo, Coward, Robert Ford, No Country for Old Men, quite surprising. Farida, True Grit, Skyfall, Prisoners, and Unbroken. How do you not win one of them? I have all those. I've just said about half a dozen to eight, in my view, should have yeah. been finished. Like, yeah, I mean, I don't know, can't remember off the top of my head what the competition was, but just from how good those films looked, I mean, I mean you, hook, you hook up with Sam Mendes and the Coen brothers. Yeah. He's been robbed. Yeah. Yes, yeah, many times. But but then you know um, as I said, Lubetsky was it was amazing. I think that was one of Birdman's strengths was mm. the way it was shot and um, mm. yeah the fact that it looks like one long take and actually it's it's not it's six or seven cuts and um, just how how difficult it must have been to have seamlessly done that. You know, it's something to be you know very proud of. And that's, and that's why I said, you know yeah Budapest is is nominated in that category, but it. 
did wouldn't necessarily, I wouldn't necessarily say did anything spectacular for me in that category where you know when there was Roger Dickens and Lubetsky in there. Mm. I mean, I say Lubetsky's talent is, is obvious, isn't it? There. Interesting you mentioned cuts because the next one, the next award that was presented, is actually for editing. And surprise, surprise, Birdman is not up for it. <laughs> <laughs> Which really it should be because there were cuts. And it was yeah. in editing, yeah. It was so good. good, it was edited so well. <laughs> <laughs> it's invisible editing goes to Birdman. The winner this time round was Whiplash. I did quite a bit of editing in my student years and yeah, I mean, especially the final sequence of Whiplash, you know, a lot of that was editing more than mm. anything. And, you know, it was just completely exhilarating as a result. And I think it fully deserves it. Yeah. It's one of those rare moments. I mean, I don't come from an editing background, so it's one of those, that doesn't really sort of strike me when I watch a film, but that was one of those moments where I thought, this has been cut together brilliantly. Well, I think yeah. you've got you've got to remember that you know the editing it goes hand hand in hand with the direction in, yeah. in how it shapes. You know, I mean, you can however however pacey something is, however slow build something is, however you know you know quite often you know I mean look at something like Taken Three, right? That has the editing <laughs> of a schizophrenic. The editing is just beyond belief in terms of how awful it is, and it affects the film, you know, on the negative side. So, and and Whiplash, you've got something that just builds like Chris says to that amazing crescendo mm. that that if that had been directed in more of a you know careful typical way it wouldn't have nearly had the power that it did no absolutely and, not you know so you can't underestimate really the impact of editing on a film and I think it's, yeah. it's if anything it's one of the most important categories probably in this mm. particularly when you see it done well yeah I say that's that's when um, that's when it makes all the difference in the world and there it really did just yeah elevate the film to another level again yeah. yeah I think that was pretty certainly going to be with Flash anyway I mean the others were American Sniper Boyhood Grand Budapest Imitation Game none of which fit me with the editing as much as Flash did yeah, uh, I think, do you want to I think with Boyhood I think that was more it's, it's sort of like you, you have to give it to Birdman for being able to cut you know those long sequences together seamlessly but you got to give it to Boyhood for basically because you don't really know it when it, when it skips a year until you think bloody hell they look a bit older mm. you don't actually know mm. it's when it skips until until they reference events or there's certain music in the background or something like that so Boyhood did a good job as well mm. yeah they purposely picked when they were when, when they were thinking about how to shoot film and, and you know etc they picked something they knew um, you know a format that would last the 12 yeah. years so it wouldn't be like they would be suddenly changing to a 3D camera halfway through the episode <laughs> <laughs> yeah should have done that <laughs> would have been a very interesting moment wouldn't it when he <laughs> turns 12 uh, he turns 15 and then suddenly he turns around and he's coming out at you <laughs> <laughs> I would also say that I think the the final climax of American Sniper was quite well done as well which was the uh, the sandstorm action sequence at the end, I thought I thought that was well put together in a film that wasn't brilliant and doesn't really deserve to be up here in, in in the same league. It was that was very well done for me. So I think if it deserves to be in here, it's for that bit mainly. You know. Fair enough. Next category was for best song, and that's where Travolta made his entrance. <laughs> oh. Yes, as it was presented by Adele Kazim. The options for best song were Everything Is Awesome. 
Gory, and then three songs I've not actually heard. Grateful from Beyond All Fights, I'm Not Gonna Miss You from Going Campbell, I'll Be Me, and our stars from Begin Again. Well, I mean, Begin Again was sang by Adam Levine, and it was insipid. So that, that was rubbish. I skipped that one. Mm. Uh, the, Everything is Awesome, you know, is a, was a good tune, but it was awful on the night. Glory's a great song. Yes. And, I, and it was brilliantly performed as well um, on the night. So I, that's a no-brainer for me. Glory all the way. Yeah, it was, it was a song that meant something, really, yeah. wasn't it? That was, that, was, yeah, that was the beauty of that song. It had the power behind it. Yeah, it did. Yeah. I, I like that it was written by um, Nolly Lynn and John Stevens. Moving from best song to best score, which was interesting, because Alexander Desplat was actually nominated twice. Oh. <laughs> For the band, yeah, exactly. This the was just... Hans Zimmer was ever interstellar, then also Gary Yershon from Saturn, Johan Johansson for A Theory of Everything. I mean, the, the Hans Zimmer's score for Interstellar was wonderful, but I mean, and I haven't heard the others, but I mean, the Grand Budapest Hotel, I've been listening to that co- almost almost weekly since last March. <laughs> it's 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 an st- absolute magnificent piece of music, and it, it, it yeah. I, I can't comment on the I think Grand Budapest Hotel, the beauty of that one, was it was just so jaunty and so Wes Anderson, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it was perfect for the film as well. You know, sometimes you get scores that just complement everything about a film. In in and, and I rarely, I think, have I come across one that is so so perfect for a movie. Because I think, I think that actually like really shows his talent. The fact yeah. Nominated in the same category twice. The two very, very different scores right. that actually suit their films very well. Mm. It's not like you, if you go and watch Imitation Game, you're going to be like, oh, this is a bit like the Grand Budapest Hotel score. It has nothing yeah. like it. Oh, okay. Moving on to Best Original Screenplay. Best Original Screenplay. I'm not going to read out all the, um, the names nominated here because Birdman had half a dozen. Birdman won anyway for Best Original Screenplay. Obviously, it's going to be against Boyhood's Grand Budapest Fox Catching Nightcore. Yeah, I think it's um, tight as competition there with Grand Budapest. Um, oh, you see, I would have said Nightcrawler personally, but that's just me. I've seen that one shout with that as well, particularly because it didn't win anything else and wasn't really coming close. It was barely nominated as well yeah. for, for a film that seemed to scream at the time that it was going to be a sort of, you know, award bait. As I said, for me, I say Grand Budapest was always going to be in, in the running for that. Mm-hmm. I love the fact that Wes Anderson's co-script writer is called Hugo. Guinness. <laughs> Hugo Guinness. Hugo Guinness. It just seems like Wes Anderson picked him for his name first and foremost. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I need someone suitably eccentric to join me. <laughs> I, I don't understand really how um, Boyhood could have won in this category. Um, well, because... the scriptwriter is Richard Winkmaster, oddly enough, which is it says it all, doesn't it? Yeah. No, they, they were making up as they were going along. With yeah. it. I mean, literally, they were making yeah. up as they were going yeah. along. Yeah, exactly. So that's not, it's not yeah. that it's written a screenplay and they've just filmed it across two years to fit into that. It was not. It was, you know, they sat down, you know, I've seen the documentary, they sit down, they collaborate with the actors, and, uh, you know, it's almost like they, you know, they oh, play around a little bit and see what they can come up with. So it's not really a script there, it's not a screenplay. I would have thought if it is one for that, if it is one for that, I think a lot of scriptwriters have been quite annoyed, personally, because that's a director getting the award for posting round tables, like you say, on a year-by-year basis, seemingly, to, to sort of cobble together the script as, as you go along. 
Yeah, which, which would, I don't know whether it taint the art or so to speak, but some people may have yeah, kicked my thoughts. It, it shouldn't really have even been nominated for, for the reasons we discussed. You know, it wasn't really, it, it's not like they sat down and wrote a screenplay and then they filmed around it. I don't believe for one second that was the case at all. Um, the screenplay probably came last <laughs> after they finished editing it. Keeping within the sort of screenplay family, um, best adapted screenplay. Why was Whiplash nominated for this? I know there's a sort of technicality which meant it, it was in this be- category. It's because Whiplash was made as a seven-minute short film a few years before the actual Whiplash was made, and uh, because it like out had J.K. Simmons and all that lot, it was therefore determined that they were adapting it from the short, uh, from, from the short film than from mm-hmm. an original script. Well, actually, I think I believe J.K. Simmons actually was in the short. It was Miles Teller. Yeah, yeah. Because that's that's my issue with it. They obviously need to look at the rulings a little bit because this was always the short the short film was made so they could make the feature. It wasn't like it and it wasn't like someone else made the short and they go, Oh that's good, we'll make that into a film, we'll buy the rights, etc. and we'll we'll do that. That's not what happened. You know, Damon Giselle did made the short to get the funding to do the main film. So that to me is just an original screenplay that just it extended. Was, <laughs> it wasn't a case of the short itself wasn't incorporated into the script and it was completely starting from scratch when he noticed to make it a feature film. Hey, I'm yeah. just looking up the list here, a like, list of previous uh, things adapted screenplay and there's been interesting ones before, like um, Before Midnight, which was Richard Linklater's like, third in that Before trilogy. That was yeah. uh, deemed to be adapted because it was using the same characters as before. Which mm-hmm. sort of makes you wonder about well, are sequels? Is it all sequel? Yeah. Yeah, the sequels got to be adapted screenplays then, but we've not really had a case where sequels got, apart from Lord of the Rings, has got close to even being nominated for anything, has it? Godfather Part Two was sort of suggested to me. Oh yeah. I wonder what that would have come under. But then again, that was already adapted anyway. I'm guessing from the book. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And uh, here's another interesting one from that. In 2009, in, in the loop was uh, adapted screenplay, because and not because it, and, and not because of a fig fit, because it says because Malcolm Tucker is called Malcolm Tucker, in, in both of the fan the thick of it, therefore it's deemed to be an adapted one, even though it was completely original, even because none of that had seen beforehand, even though it was a uh, technically completely unrelated to the thick of it, he used the same concepts and all that lot, but. Um, I think it's because they used the name Malcolm Tucker, but that was an adapted screenplay, so they've got really, really weird rules. Yeah, it should just be as simple as it purely comes down to whoever is writing the screenplay. That if it's, for example, they're they're adapting someone else's writing, that's when it should be an adapted screenplay. But if it's something that they've written, I don't necessarily think that can really come under an adapted. Screenplay. I'm not sure if it's if it's a book that they've been adapted to a script. That's a bit different. For how many how many novelists have actually made their films themselves? Um, oh, it's, it's moot anyway with Bush's inclusion because he didn't win. Graham um, no. Morgan for the imitation game. Um, I suppose. I suppose you can understand why, but then if you incorporate with Washington, then you'd have thought that would have been giving it, or Anthony McCartan for the theory of everything. Yeah, it's exactly, you got the theory of everything as well, which was a, you know, a far superior film, so... Then again, I'm glad, because we did get Graham Moore's speech, which, even though it was sort of suicide-happy, as, as, as you pointed out earlier, Dan, I think it would have been a worse place without that speech, personally, but there you go. 
we only have three categories left now, so before we do, Tony's going to give us one final review. And that one is for cake. Mmm, cake. How's it going? I'm doing really well. I want you to verbalize to Nina how her suicide affected you. She jumped off the freeway overpass, landed on a flatbed truck heading to Mexico. Her body got stuck in customs for like a week before Nina's husband could even claim it. Way to go, Nina. Spread your legs a little bit wider. Should we go on a date first? Ha ha. Uh, listen, you think I could come by and pick up the rest of my stuff? I think it's prudent if we don't see each other. Nice night, huh? Jennifer Aniston has been talking up cake as, in terms of her career, something of a game changer. Daniel Barnes's slow burn drama moves everyone's favourite friend away from the lovably kooky cheek women she frittered her 30s away playing in endless romantic comedies and indeed the horny middle-aged sex pots she's taken to essaying lately in raunchier comedic fare. This is her serious piece, her challenging role, the potential Oscar contender where she takes on the conflicted role of Claire, a wealthy soon-to-be divorcee who becomes obsessed with the suicide of a fellow young woman in her self-help group. Except in real terms, lovely Jen is wrong. This isn't entirely serious, it isn't enormously challenging, and it certainly isn't anywhere near an Oscar contender, hence why it's nowhere near the running. Barnes's film is a plodding piece of unfocused psychodrama, which does allow Aniston to push out of her comfort zones, but beyond that singularly struggles to both entertain or consistently define itself. There is hope at the start. We meeting the sallow-faced, facially scarred Claire at a mournful self-help meeting where fellow groupies are throwing around their frustrations cathartically about why Anna Kendrick's Nina threw herself off a roof, as a beautiful young mother with everything to live for. Aniston gets to display a river of caustic snark in her unorthodox response that suggests an edgier, more intriguing picture than Barnes gives us, because very quickly his narrative and script stodge. Aniston is almost above reproach, even when the material isn't up to snuff. Indeed, it's odd she exalts Barnes so much outwardly, because while she injects Claire with a middle-aged solemnity, ripping away her usual spark to reveal a cold, broken centre, the script is so threadbare and unfocused, it forces her to work hard to truly convey the conflict internally within Claire's psyche. Barnes seems to want his film to balance a concoction of elements. On the one hand, he wants to seriously show the effects of loss on people who are psychologically pummeled by it. On the other, he almost wants to satirise such exploration. Quite often he injects the piece with a snarky wit that feels completely out of step with his solemn, dragging tone, and almost all such darkly comedic beats fail to connect. He even wants to get away with an element of fantasy, given Claire starts being haunted, in inverted commas, by Nina, as he wheels on a pretty-looking but thinly-drawn Kendrick to act as Claire's id when he feels like it. Cake wants to be so many elements in one that none of them properly hit the mark, and frequently the result is a plodding experience, never affording Aniston the chance to truly emerge from the chrysalis, power home a performance that will truly set this apart. Barnes is too focused on being unfocused to let her fly. After so many years playing roles that haven't pushed or challenged her, you may want to see Jennifer Aniston do something different, and Cake certainly fits that bill. She does look every inch her mid-forties years here, drained of her perkiness and riven with a melancholic bite, but Daniel Barnes gives her lacklustre dramatic pickings to work with. It could have been a strong character piece, a powerful depiction of a woman in freefall, 
But in truth, this is a baggy, leaden slog. Through the psychological baggage of a woman, even with Aniston's charisma, it's very hard to care about. Unfortunately, this one doesn't manage to have its cake and eat it. Do you want to get better? Really? Say it, Claire. I do. seem odd it does seem odd why he was shunned for this really given that it is it's never been done before in this respect it, it's it really does feel like a shame I must say though I think as well we need to think about the absentees from this because I, I, I wouldn't have put Bennett Miller on there for Foxcatcher quite honestly no um, I personally wouldn't have put Morton Tiblin from the invitation game either well I haven't seen I think he's a good director you know he, Headhunters was very good I think you know Ava DuVernay should have got one for Selma. Mm-hmm. I think I think Damien Chaz- Chazelle should have got one for Whiplash. Whiplash. Yeah. You know I think there's a couple of people here that are, that are missing. I wanted myself. Uh, I did want Wes Anderson to win really because I, I love the Grand Budapest Hotel. You know, and I'm I'm happy that Alex has won for Birdman, <laughs> has won for Birdman because you know it's it's very well directed. But I think I think Linklater has been unfairly shunned here. But given given what he's created and how long it yeah, took him, I, I mean, bloody hell, who else is going to tell, take twelve years? There was a there was a tweet actually I saw that somebody had put um, right. Well, Linklater's going to have to do uh, twenty five years for his next film. There's <laughs> 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 so, uh, just truth to that, really. Mm. I do I do feel a little sorry for him, but like you say, in the late two, I mean, Batman was well directed, and clearly Batman was in vogue this year, so. Well, there's a lot of negativity towards Birdman today, which I think is unfair because, you know, I mean, any people are going on like it, it's it's Birdman's an excellent film, so it's you know I've I've no real I've no real problem with it winning. It's just I think it, it is a shame. Moving on to Best Actor again, this was a very tight contest. At least I thought it was a tight contest between Eddie Redmayne and Michael Keaton. Yeah, it was neck and neck. I mean, Steve yeah. Bell, Foxcatcher, if that had been given, you know, the entire thing would have been a complete joke. Yeah. Ditto Bradley Cooper, as much as I like Bradley Cooper. Barely come about to his terrific communication game, but 
I don't know. I, I think it's just very safe performance. There was nothing mm-hmm. special about it. I think um, Eddie, Eddie Redmayne, you know, he, he, it looked like he was breaking his back for that. Performance. Eddie Redmayne went the extra mile. I mean, he he put so much effort into that. He, he did a performance I didn't think he was capable of doing. I mean, I, I say again though, David Yellowo was robbed of a nomination. I say it again. I mean, because you know, Carell was there. Steve Carell did very good in Boxcatcher. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you who else was screwed as well. Ray Fiennes. Yes, definitely. Yes, he was yeah, absolutely fantastic. Yeah. I, I think I think you should have won it outright. Oh, yeah. But, uh, I, I, I don't it, think it, you could have won it over Redmayne, but I think you should have deserved a nomination. Those two, Zeph Cavell and Cooper, I'd have been happy with. Yeah. My point here is that when I saw that in the two had won for Best Director, I thought Michael Keaton would have won Best Director because I thought Birdman was going to sweep from that point on. So I, yeah. I thought we've clearly got Birdman, you know, as a sort of being the bonnet here. So I presumed that would win, and not so much Stewart from Eddie Redmayne, but you know, take the award. It's a bit of a shame for Keaton in a way because you know any other year, any yeah, other any other year. year he probably would have got it, and he he, it's probably unlikely he's going to get another one now, or you yeah. know, he'd have to do something quite you know impressive to do that, and it's it's a shame because he was he was very good, very yeah. very good. Right, so never only two now weren't to count, only two <laughs> um, awards to give out. The first one was for Best Actress, and Julianne Moore was hot favourite, but was, was he a certainty? I know, Tony, you believe Rosamund Pike. Yeah, I think I, I would have given it to Rosamund Pike. Dare I say, I don't think this was particularly strong this year. Really, no, it wasn't. I, I, um, I, I really, I, there was no, there's no heavy hitter actress in there this year. Have, really, have you, have you seen Still Alice? I mean, well, it's not I haven't. Right, yeah, it's, it's, not, out. it's not out yet. Exactly. Uh, I'm so. going to go and see it next week. I think it's we out in the next week. I so, think we can't really comment until we've seen her performance. No, 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 not, not no. I think probably Julianne Moore deserves the award. I'm, I'm saying in general, I don't really think that you've got a particularly strong crop here. And it, I mean, Ro- Rosamund Pike, I think, was was great in Gone Girl, but Gone Girl is too fucked up and out there to win any kind of award at the Oscars. Um, yeah, I think it says a lot um, that of the nominees for four of the five films weren't all for Best Picture. Getting right, actually, um, one of the, uh, two days, one night. I don't think that's even an, an, an English speaking film. No. I think that's in. Um, I think it's French. Yeah, I hate the, I hate the fact that that's in you know, a, a foreign film. Has managed to sneak, and it's not the first time in the last few years that's happened. Mm. Yes, it's a weak category this year. Mm. But I what's interesting, know. what's quite interesting, if you think about it, right, with this, is that if you look at all the best picture nominees, mm-hmm. and all, all the and the fact that all of those were represented in the best actor category, you look at those films. There are not many strong female roles. Well, that's R- why. If, if you think five, about it, over five nominees for best actor. To cross it over to Best Actress, the only one that also has a nomination is Professor Jones for Fear of Everything. Right, exactly. Because if you think about it, about it, you've got Keira Knightley for The Imitation Game. You've got anyway. right. You've, there isn't really a, a particularly strong central female role in Whiplash. This is a porting one. Again, for Boyhood, Chris Arquette was only supporting. Right, American Sniper. Sienna Miller actually may well have deserved some kind of nod because she was very good in American Sniper. She, but but again, know. supporting. Probably. But supporting exactly. Grand Budapest Best Hotel is is ensemble in many ways, but that was mainly a, a two hand, you know, very two central male roles. Mm. Carmen Jogo was was classy in Selma, but it wasn't an Oscar nominee. Before again, supporting 
And in Getting Birdman, you know, Naomi Watts barely made a dent in that film, really. And Emma Stone got a nod anyway. So if you think about it, that that's something that is, is a point in that you didn't get many representative strong female roles in the best picture films, which is which is concerning a little bit, maybe, actually. Yeah. That's the thing. Just thought, it's just struck me, really, that for the first time, that, looking at all these. I think it's like, you know, you, you, you've reviewed Cake already in this podcast. Uh-huh. Mm. Um, the fact that I don't, I don't know, you know whether you agree, but I, from what I've heard, Jennifer Aniston gives a very, very good performance. Yeah, she does. It's not a very good film. Yeah, exactly. And I've got a feeling it's the same with Still Alice. I think probably Julianne Moore does give a very, very good performance, but Still Alice maybe just isn't a particularly good film. And that's why it's not quite crossing over into that best picture category. It makes you wonder. We'll find out soon. But it, yeah, it's interesting. I think yeah, fair play to Julianne Moore. It, it was nice to see her win because she has she's done a lot of very good supporting roles. She's a good character actress. She's done a lot of good stuff over the years. She's, she's done brilliant work, even in poor films. Yeah, she films, has. So. She's, yeah, she's done. She's done a show of shit, as we say. Yeah, she's very. She's very funny as well. She is. Mm, very nice. talented. So it's nice. It's nice to see her win. Much as I, I, I do think Rosamund Pike was was especially mental in Gone Girl, and it would have been great to see her win that film. Yeah. So we just have one award left to um, analyse, and that one was where Sean Penn came up and basically stole <laughs> <laughs> <Gold> the show. <laughs> yeah. Basically, complete casual racism at the Oscar stand. All the usual nominations were there that we've seen across the vast majority of categories, plus Selma. And part of me hoped Selma would win it, just mm. just because it was one of the few things it was nominated for. But it was always going to be a, a straight fight between Berman and Boyhood, wasn't it? So. Um, I'd quite like to hear because obviously I've heard what me and Tony think about the films but Chris what did you think about mm. the ones that were nominated uh, it was a very good year actually it says a lot about the one that won was only my sixth favourite American Sniper I just didn't like it at all it's just a load of jingoistic American bollocks really <laughs> Boyhood I, I absolutely loved and I'll be honest I actually preferred that to Birdman, and I would have probably preferred Boyhood to have won it. Mm. I, I just think it's uh, one of those films that will never be made again, and I think it's a quite good artistic statement. Yeah, yeah, about say I just quite loved that. Um, Bamboo Pesto Toy also loved. Um, managed to see that in the cinema, thankfully, and yeah, it was a quite experience. Like I said, very long way fans should have mm. won Best Actor, but he wasn't even nominated. Bizarre that is. Yeah, so. it, 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 imitation game I quite liked. N- nothing too extraordinary, but I really like about Benedict Cumberbatch's performance in it. it, it Selma was it, I liked it a lot more than what I thought I would actually. It, look, it, again, a, a, a strong central performance there, and dare I say, in terms of films about race, I actually preferred it to Twelve Years a Slave. If you can really compare those two, I'm not sure if you can really. Very of everything was a bit weird in that it was a bit of a nine o'clock ITV drama. <laughs> I, 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 I enjoyed it, but it wouldn't look out of place on television. And I, I don't understand. Well, I, I was very surprised because I saw it in cinema just by chance, didn't know anything about it beforehand. And I was very surprised to hear that this was a big Oscar contender. I, I thought it was just a throwaway thing that just released one week. Uh, when it was dead in the cinemas, so yeah, Whiplash was the last film, which was my favourite film, and I, 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 
Yeah, I wish it was. It, it was just mm. it's such a. It was one of those films where my heart was racing for about two hours after I, I watched yeah. it. Yeah. It was just exhilarating in every sense of the word. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I love that film. Yeah, I've never felt anything quite like how I felt watching and after Whiplash. It was mm. quite incredible. Yeah, I think I think it. I th- I think it's the best film on there. Yeah, I do. It's it's remarkable and it's uh, it's 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 bizarre that it didn't get more love than it did really. And, it, and the one I wanted to win though was Grand Budapest Hotel because I think that's going to be one of my all time favourite films. Actually, I, I adore that film. But yeah, I agree with Chris in that it was American Sniper aside. I think it was a I think it was quite a strong crop really. Um, I think, it, it, and last year was a very good, a very good year for films. You know, which is why, you know, there are certain films that that were on there, uh, that weren't on there, that could easily have been on there last year. I think so. It is, Interstellar being obvious. Interstellar being obvious. You know, I know it was released in uh, technically made it technically a year before, so it may not have qualified. But Under the Skin came out after last year's Oscars, yeah. and I would have put that on there to be quite honest. You know, and it's, it's Gone Girl, Girl could have been could have been on there maybe. Yeah, and it's. It, it was a it was a good year for cinema, and this this shows you know this proves it. It felt far more of an open competition this year than last year, where it was Gravity and Twelve Years a Slave, and the rest were like, yeah. This year, I think there could have been a good four four or so of these that could have got that. We were good enough to win four or five of them. I actually had sort of tentative hope that it would be Whiplash or Grand Budapest. Um, Funnily enough, Chris, my uh, my order of them was pretty similar to yours, just out of the top two, because I, I adore Grand Budapest. Both of them, I, I pretty much agree, yeah, straight with you there, um, including Boyhood being better than Birdman. I've seen all of them apart from American Sniper, so I don't yeah. think I've seen much there. I, I kind of echoed what you wrote on um, Twitter, Tony, about the fact that, you know, movies are subjective, and obviously, yeah. um, you know, Birdman is getting quite a lot of flack I think the most important thing to remember it is every all of this is subjective you know the, these awards I, it's fun to pick over them it's fun to save these events I think you know and I don't necessarily agree with when people go oh Oscars or you know they moan too much about it I think you know it has its place like all these things have their, have their place but you've got to take it all with you know a certain pinch of salt really in that you know Birdman might be amazing to some and, and there have been people out there who haven't liked it at all and that's fine that's their prerogative and you know it's all about um, at the end of the day, what you enjoy, and you know, like what you like, like I said on Twitter, like what you like, dislike what you dislike. Um, just, in, just enjoy it for what it is, really. And it's at the the big point that somebody else made as well was that it gets people talking about films, and that's that's the most important thing. You know, it doesn't matter yeah. whether it doesn't mean that people are right and people are wrong. It just, but it gets people talking. 
is a wrap, I believe. We're all ready to head to the bar for much-needed after-show drink. You can find any messy photos on the Twitter handle, which is Black Hole Cinema, along with any comments you wish to provide. Um, any last words, gentlemen? Yep, equal pay for all flumpers. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for my Best Actor nomination and award. It's been lovely. The best animated film this year was Big Hero 6, but it wouldn't have been had Lego been actually nominated. And John Travolta is kissing me and rubbing my stomach as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute, that's not your stomach. <laughs> <laughs> Boing! Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.